Uh, it's, man, it's so, so good to start off the service with the baptism and uh, to be able to, to experience that the last uh, three weeks has been so cool. So, um, man, uh, I just wanted to take a moment and, uh, and just ask you to be praying, though, right? Because, uh, man, it's one thing to have the, the, have the water warm and let anybody get baptized. But one of the things we try to do is we try to take that seriously here, um, that, that those four kids who have stepped into that water the last three weeks have been brought from death to life, called to live a new life that prior to that salvation, they didn't have the power nor the desire to live. And so now we have these young children who don't yet know how to walk with the Lord and they have awesome parents and families, um, but we're supposed to come alongside them as the church. And so just be praying for us as a church and you look for opportunities for yourself about how you can get involved. One of the best ways Miss Terry is paying me 20 bucks to say this, um, is to get involved in our kids' ministry. And I, honestly, uh, not all the parents of the last three weeks would tell you, um, I believe that not only did, did the, these children's salvation come about because of conversations in the home, but they also came across, came apart about because of conversations that are going on in our kids' building. And so uh, we're just, we're so excited uh, to have such a great kids' ministry here. And if you'd like to talk about how you can get involved, you can scan that QR code, talk to somebody at Next Steps, they can get your information because um, we're always needing more kid, more adults willing to invest in our young kids, and so um, we're excited about that. But uh, I want to get get to the text. First uh, John chapter three is where we're going to be. We've been studying this book of the Bible uh, the last three weeks. This will week, be week four for us. And uh, man, I just hope that as we've been studying through this, that it's been it's been good for you. I hope you're seeing some of the truths that God's been revealing to me and did prior to even starting the series, as we look at what does it mean for us to be in Christ? Who are we in Christ? And, uh, and we've already seen John talk about three different kind of uh, pictures of who we are in Christ. And last week was that we are God's children, not just because we were created by God, but because he called us to follow him and we responded in faith and repentance. And now we are his children because of what Christ did in us. And that, that we can find peace and fulfillment in Christ. And today, the, the picture that John, that we're going to kind of get into in this section, almost all the way to chapter 5, it's going to be a, a lot of fun today. Um, but John can, is, can, is continuing that analogy of, of children as he introduces the fourth picture of love, that we are to be love in Christ. And so I want to read the first section of Scripture that we're going to study. Uh, then I'll pray. And then we'll come back and start walking through this sucker, okay? This is 1 John chapter 3, verse 10. Uh, the word of the Lord says this. Uh, this is how God's children and the devil's children become obvious. Whoever does not do what is right is not of God, especially the one who does not love his brother or sister. For this is the message you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Unlike Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. Don't be surprised, brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers and sisters. The one who does not love remains in death. Everyone who hates his brother or sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. This is how we have come to know love. He laid down his life for us. We should also lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has this world's goods and sees a fellow believer in need but withholds compassion from him, how does God's love reside in him? Little children, let us not love in word or speech, but in action and in truth. 
Let's pray. Father God, we ask you uh, to be here, God, to continue to be here as you already have. And God, we ask for a special, uh, God, a special request that your spirit would help us to understand your truth today. Um, God, guide my heart, guide my mouth, and God, may you be glorified today. Be with us today and teach us to know you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So John uh, says here clearly that followers of Jesus are to love one another. When he says brothers and sisters, he's not speaking of literal brothers and sisters. He's speaking of newfound brothers and sisters in Christ. And so uh, he says early that his, his readers knew this. He said, you knew this from the beginning. And if you remember the last two weeks, we've talked about that, that he wasn't talking about from the beginning of creation. He was talking about from the beginning of their faith. So one of the things John is saying, man, what we taught you the, from, from, the, from the baby steps of Christianity was it to love one another. And so I'm, ha- I'm coming back and I'm, I'm talking about this again. And John, but the beautiful thing is John doesn't just say, hey, love one another and then walk away. That would be effective in some respects. But John actually spends a lot of time discussing what it looks like. What does it look like? to love one another. So I want to show you just like John's process uh, for describing this love that we must have for one another. And like a couple of weeks ago, hey, if you're a note taker and you love like sub points and sub sub points, get ready, baby. All right, here we go. Um, So this is the first thing that John tells us. He says this, he shows us the nature of love. Okay, the nature of love. And so I'm going to uh, try crowd participation, not crowd participation. Don't answer this out loud, but think in your head. Okay, if I were to ask you these two questions, first question is this. Do you always hate everyone in this church? Don't answer it out loud. It would be awkward. Do you always hate? I'm using language that's strategic. Okay. Most of us would say, well, not always. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> not always. Right? So let me flip it. Do you always Love everyone in this church. And if we're all honest, a lot of us would probably say, well, not always. And see, that's, that's some of what John is getting into here, okay? John says that's some of the issue. John doesn't describe a third option. You see, there are those who hate and there are those who love. John's argument is that we should not be like Cain who hated his brother, but to love one another. If you're not familiar with the story of Cain and Abel, they're, they're people three and four that we hear about in the Bible. Uh, Genesis 1 and 2 and 3 describe us the story of, an, uh, of, a, of a character come to know, two characters not come to know as Adam and Eve, and then they fall from God's grace, removed from the garden, and the first two children we hear about them having are Cain and Abel. And we're going to get into the whole story. But what happens is Cain becomes jealous because his brother receives a blessing from God while he doesn't. And, his, and Cain strikes his brother down in the middle of the field one day. And all of us would read that and go, yikes. Like, that's a, bad, that's a mean dude. That's a nasty dude to kill your own brother. But did you notice what John said? John says, you and I are in the same boat. He said, if we hate a brother or sister in Christ, for those of us in the room that may actually be willing to say, man, yeah, there are times where I hate a brother or sister in Christ. John says, if you hate, you are a murderer. That's what John says. You're a murderer. And so John is helping his audience see something that is really, really important for us to grasp. And that is that the heart is what makes a person unclean, not just the deeds. 
not just the deeds. And so we can point a finger at Cain and we can think about, man, what a bad dude. But we have all been guilty of hate or at least anger towards someone else. John says, same thing. Same thing. And before you start thinking, I mean, but John, I mean, he wasn't Jesus, right? He, does he really? Is that true? Well, John's just stealing it from Jesus. If you read uh, in the book of Matthew, Matthew 5 through 7 is this big collection of Jesus' teaching that we call the Sermon on the Mount. And in that long message, a recurring theme as he talks about the kingdom of God is that this, that this idea of sin originates in our heart and that, that that's what makes us guilty. When the sin is in our heart, even if it never makes its way to our hands or to our mouth, it's in our hearts. Now, if you're really interested in, in uh, um, learning more about the Sermon on the Mount, this is going to be old school for a moment. Back in 2020, do y'all remember 2020? That was a fun year. Um, it was a great, fun year. It was fun because I came to be your pastor in January of that year, okay? That's, it was fun for me. Um, but we spent 12 or so weeks in the fall of 2020 walking through the Sermon on the Mount, taking our time as much as we can. And so if you're just interested uh, in going back and listening to that, but I will warn you, um, your pastor was super fresh then. He was brand new. Um, not that he's super polished now, but uh, he was definitely something then. And we had just gotten our live stream equipment, and so we were trying to figure it out too. But anyway, you can go check it out if you're interested uh, but maybe we'll study that again sometime in the future as well. But, um, but this idea that sin originates in the heart, John's picking that up from his teacher, Jesus himself. And John is driving home that, man, if you hate a brother or sister, you are a murderer. And Jesus says that to have that in your heart reveals that you are not part of the kingdom of God, or at least not living in it in the moment. And so it's a big deal what we allow in our heart. It's a big deal what we allow our hearts to feel. Oftentimes we downplay that and we say, well, at least I didn't say it out loud. <laughs> at least I didn't do it. Well, it's a, still a big deal. But most of us would not say that we hate somebody else. I would say a lot of us in the room would go, no, I don't hate anybody. We might get angry, but I don't hate anybody. But notice what John said before, before the murderer stuff. Once we hear murder, we get really caught up in it. But verse 14, John says, we know that we have passed from death to life. Because we love our brothers and sisters. So again, this whole message series and, and the whole letter, letter that John's writing is trying to help people understand. Here's how you can know that you've trusted in Jesus. Here's how, you, here's how you can know that the Spirit of God is in you. He says, if you love your brothers and sisters. He says, the one who does not love remains in death. Now, John says one of the ways to be able to see that we have truly been saved is by our love for the church. That's evidence of our salvation. However, did you notice what he said after? The one who does not love remains in death. That's John's way of saying probably has not been saved. Now, because of the hate and the murder stuff that we just talked about, you immediately think you understand what John said. You think, John said, when we love the church, that's evidence that we've been saved by God. But when we hate the people of the church, that's evidence that we have not been. But is that what John said? It's not what John said. In fact, John didn't say that hate was evidence that we were not truly believers. He said a lack of love was. You see the difference? He didn't say hate, those who hate remain in death. He said those who do not love remain in hate. 
So often we want to live life in this middle ground between love and hate. We want to We want to, sometimes we lean one way on a good day and sometimes maybe we lean a little bit this way. But what John seems to be doing is just squeezing out the middle ground and saying, stop stop living there, man. Stop living there to the person, because John says this, to the person who hates and to the one who simply lacks love. John says essentially the same thing. You haven't tasted salvation. And church, that's a big deal. It's a a bold statement John's making. To the one who hates and to the one who's lacking love, John says, you probably haven't tasted salvation. Uh, John goes on to tell his readers about the way we truly show love. Uh, He says this in verse 18. Little children, let us not love in word or speech, but in action and in truth. I learned early on in my marriage, and if there's any, we had an engaged couple in the first service. We got some, some young budding love in here as well. No fingers being pointed, but... Um, well, I learned early on in my marriage that um, there is a major difference between telling my wife I love her and showing my wife that I love her. I thought I could squeak by with just saying it every once in a while. Apparently not. That's not a thing. Uh, that's not a thing in marriage. And um, But those are two very different. Why? Because love is best evidence, not by what we say, but what we do. When I was early in my faith uh, as a kid, there was a Christian hip-hop group called DC Talk. I see some of you nodding along because you remember DC Talk. Um, I won't ask for a show of hands because you may be embarrassed. But their first huge hit in 1992 was Love is a Verb. Love is a Verb. And as goofy and cheesy as that song was, they were really spot on. Because what they were saying... Is that, that to, to love is to love. It's, it's a verb. It's not something we say. It's not something that, that, that we can just enjoy. It's something that we do. And so as we're talking about love for the church or for other believers, what I'm not asking you today, and I don't believe what John is asking his original audience is, do you say that you love the church? Because that's easy. You can wear your Lindsay Lane t-shirt out and go, yeah, 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 that's great, great church. Love it. Come see us. But the question is, do you actually love these people? Do you love the people that God has brought together to be called Lindsay Lane Baptist Church? There are some pastor friends in my life, guys I respect a ton because of how long they've been doing it. And I had this written in my notes before Brother Dusty came. If y'all don't know Brother Dusty... And Miss Patsy, uh, Brother Dusty was our, our senior pastor for, for almost 29, 29 years um, at Lindsay Lane Baptist Church. And it was his leadership that saw this campus planted uh, here in Harvest. And so we're not, not that Brother Dusty did anything. It was the Lord working through him. But we're thankful uh, for what Brother Dusty and for him, fought, him sending some young hotshot Andy John King out here to plant this place. Um, and then seeing through to the transition to me. And he, he retired just a few months after I came in. Um, but I get a message every once in a while from Brother Dusty. And every time I see Brother Dusty, he asks me how the church is going and what he needs. But I got other pastor friends that say they love me like Brother Dusty does, but I don't ever get the text. I don't, I don't get the phone call. And I run into them every once in a while, and they tell me, love you, brother, and they give me a hug. <laughs> and I go, do you, right? Like, I haven't seen you. You haven't checked on me since I've been pastoring a church since January of 2020. Don't tell me you love me. Right? 
And this is the problem. We, we, we do this. We want, we want people to think we love them, but we don't want to show it. Because honestly, I don't care to hear that from him. It means something coming from this man. It doesn't mean anything coming from the other. And if any, if any John needs to know it was him, I'll tell him, okay? <laughs> I'm just kidding. But when we say we love, but we don't show it through action, it's pretty good evidence that we don't actually love. Amen? We've all seen it. We've witnessed it. So John says that the nature of love stands in opposition to hate. And it's shown through action and truth. But John doesn't stop with just showing us what love, like what it looks like or the the nature of love. He shows us the source of love. And we're going to skip down just a minute to 1 John 4 verse 7. He says this, dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. So John makes this super clear, doesn't he? If he he was wishy-washy at all in the previous verses, it's clear now. John is making it super clear here. A few points to notice. The first thing that actually comes at the end, but I want to to start there. He says, John says, God is love itself. John, John says, God is Love. John says the very source and originator of love is God. In some way that we can't even fathom, God is what love is. He invented it. It's his thing. He was the first one to show it. It's his, and he is love. And because he is love, this is important, God gives the capacity to love. God gives the capacity to love. John says that if you have love for the local church, that love was given to you by God. He is not only the source of love, he is the one who actuates our ability to love. If God does not step into the human heart with a supernatural jolt of his spirit when we trust in him, we cannot love. We cannot love. A couple reminders on this, though. Remember the love John's talking about here. It's not a romantic uh, rom-com, Adam Sandler, and uh, what's that? What's that woman he was in the movies with all in the 2000s? Drew Barrymore. Thanks, Patrick. Um, Drew Barrymore, right? Like Drew Barrymore, like that's always this feely-feely love. That's not what we're talking about. This is the the Greek word agape. It's an intense love that's used. uh, This is a love by choice. People who are not in your family, you're choosing to love them. It's an intense love used to describe the love God the Father has for the Son, the love the Son has for the Father, the love that we should have for both, and the love we should have for one another. This is the most common uses of the thing. And when you look, if you could do a Google search of times agape comes up in the New Testament, you're going to see for all the, all the books, most of the books have the word. When you get to First John, it's like, brrr, it's used like almost three times more than any other book. And so First John, first John is, is I mean, he's dialing in to this idea. So this is not a feely, feely love, but also remember that this is a love brought about through action. So John is saying that if we are loving other people well, it's not because of who we are, but because of what God has done in us. He is the one giving us the love for others. And if someone lacks Here's the question, though. If someone lacks any ability to love other people, if someone lacks any ability to love other people, what does John say? John 1, or John, 1 John 4, 8, the one who does not love does not know God 
because God is love. And, and so here's like the subpoint third there. God has not saved a loveless person. If there is someone with absolutely no capacity to love other people, John says the problem is probably not their personality. It's probably not just a, an upbringing that they have. It's probably because they don't have God. They haven't been born again by the blood of Jesus. They are not a child of God, as we talked about last week. And so we take all this discussion, right? God is love itself. God gives capacity to love. God has not saved a loveless person. Now, let's get super practical for a minute before we even finish the rest. Real world problem. I'm a Christian. I know that. I believe that. God's confirming that in my heart. I'm a Christian. But I sometimes struggle to show love towards believers in the church. What does that mean about me? Like, what can I do about that? Okay? So notice what John didn't say here. John didn't say the one who struggles to love doesn't know God. Right? He said the one who does not love, the one who shows no love whatsoever. So if you can and do love other believers sometimes, then it seems to me from the text, that God has probably saved you because that, that, that ability is coming from God. That should bring some level of confidence in our faith. But the question is, how can we show love in the times when we don't want to or don't feel like it? Because I don't know about you, those come sometimes more frequently than others. I can, I, I've, <laughs> some of y'all, this is going to hit a little bit more close to home. I'm not talking about today. This was written in my notes before today if we had this conversation on the way in, Okay. I can tell when some of y'all didn't really have a good week. You know what I mean? Like I can tell when after the door I say, hey, you had a good week? And you look at me and I can see your mind processing. You want to slap the, pres- the pastor. I know it. <laughs> you want to because you're like, don't ask. You want me to tell you about my week? You want me to, you? And like, I can see it in your mind. But in that moment, you choose to love me. You don't want to. <laughs> You don't want, but you choose to love me. And instead of slapping me, you say, it was okay. And then you walk by. You don't wait for any more follow-up questions. And I see in your heart not to ask them. If you want to talk, I'm here. But I can tell sometimes when I don't want. And so like that's, like, and, and so that's where I'm at. That's where I find myself sometimes, right? That's where I, that's where I am. Oftentimes there's times where I don't want to love other people. I don't feel like it. And so in that moment, what are we to do? Are we just supposed to try harder? Are we just supposed to pick ourselves up by the bootstraps and just force ourselves to love people? Or should we buy a WWJD bracelet as a reminder? Listen, neither of those things are wrong. Neither of those, those things can be helpful to rem- help us remember like where our love comes from. That's what we've got to remember. I want you to finish my sentences. When my car is not running right, I talk to a... Praise the Lord. My my wife said my my dad, because she knows I can't do anything, but her dad can actually do something about it. Um, When my body tells me I'm sick, I talk to a... Doctor. Some of you said WebMD. Uh, That's not right. When I realize I have termites at home, I talk to uh, Briley's dad because he works at Cook's Pest Control and they live at the end of my road. Now, pest control company, right? Like I want to take care of it, but one more. 
when I'm lacking love for other people, I talk to. So you got it. Right? And the first three situations, I talk to an imperfect human being who has studied a lot about my problem and they can probably diagnose the, the issue and can help me. They're an expert on the issue. But when I'm lacking love, I'm not going to an expert. I'm going to the one who invented it and the one who gives it freely. You see this? And yet so often that's not what we do. So we do. If you're struggling to love other people, you need to start first and foremost in prayer. You need to start first and foremost in prayer, asking God to give you love. God, help me love today. Man, what a difference that would make in our church, in our homes, in our workplaces. And so after describing all of this, John then gives us the perfect example of love. And in so doing, I believe gives us one of the greatest memory verses of the Bible. If you don't memorize the Bible, that's okay. You can, I I think you're wrong and you should start. But if you need to start, this is a good place to start. And if three verses is too much, knock it down. to Just pick any one of these verses. It's good. 1 John 4, 9 through 11. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Love consists in this. Not that we love God but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we also must love one another. This is really, really big here. John has been working on helping his readers understand what love is, where its source is, and then he gives them this example, this big example, God's own love for humanity. And in giving us this example, he shows us some really cool things about what our love for one another should look like. So I want to show you three things under this heading. We're almost there, I promise. We've already talked about this one, but we're going to hit it again here. Love is best shown in action. Love is best shown in action. We see that in the example of love. We've already hit on it, but it's interesting to say, interesting to realize that John didn't say if that you should love others like God loves because he really loves you. That could actually be a verse in the Bible. Love other people because God really, 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 really loves you. And honestly, it should be enough for us to go, okay, and we do it. However, that's not what John said. John instead reminds his readers that God didn't just say that he loved humanity. He actually showed it through his actions. Through the sending of his son. John 3.16 isn't for God so loved the world that he told them every day. It's that if it's God loved the world so much that he showed them through his actions by sending his son for them, that's an example of what love really looks like. We also see not only that it should be action, but it it shouldn't always be a response. Love shouldn't always be a response. It's much easier for me to love someone who is nice to me and genuinely loves me first. There's a few amens. Probably could have been everyone because we all see that, right? Like we all see, man, it's so easy. Do nice things for me. I'll probably even return the favor, right? After gift six, seven, eight, I'll probably send you one too. Keep them coming. But I, when people love me, it's easy to love them back. It is. It's so easy for us. But notice what John said in verse 10. It's not that we loved him, but what? He loved us. 
The sending of Jesus was not a response to the love that we were showing God. If anything, humanity had given God zero reason to do anything kind or gracious or loving for us. God's sending of Jesus was done out of his own preemptive love. We need to be preemptive or proactive in our love for one another here at East. Listen, way too many Christians in way too many churches all around the world, and I don't know if they're here too. I like to think they're not, but if it hits home to you, talk to God about it. But we'll say they're sitting in other churches, other places. Way too many Christians and way too many churches all around the world sit back and wait to be loved first before they show love. So what we wind up with is a bunch of cynical sad sacks coming and going from church building each week and nobody's loving anybody because they're wanting to be loved first. I'm going to say this as loving as I can. Get that out of here. Right? There's churches everywhere that would love to have you. They'd love to have you, money. We want people here at East who are willing to love one another and not wait to be loved, but show that love. Love like God did. Step out in it first. And I know it's awkward and it's weird to make the first move. Kelly and my relationship began as a friendship, as high school relationships do. Scary when you get away from your notes, isn't it? And you're telling stories. My wife in here? <laughs> awesome. She's not. Oh, she is. Oh, okay. All right. Um, but our relationship began in high school. We were friends. Kelly's two years older than me. And uh, so she, uh, she was a junior. And prom time was coming up. And so Kelly asked me to go to prom with her, her junior year. As friends. As friends. But, like, that's how our relationship started. She actually took the first move in some ways, uh, which is, you know, super awesome. And, uh, but, but like, that, that's, that's what we're asking. That's what we're talking about here. Take the first move. I know it's awkward. If I, I, can, I can still remember, Kelly, it was a basketball game, wasn't it? I think you asked me to prom at a basketball. See, I remember more about this. She does. Because I could tell she was super nervous and was like, you know, like it was super. But it was so awkward for her, especially with her personality, to be forward and to be out there and to ask the guy to go to prom with her because he's two years older and he can't ask her. Like that's not a thing that she would have been comfortable with. But she did it. And as awkward as it was, here we are. That was 2002. And here we are in 2023. This many years later, right? And so for us, for us in Christ, right, we've, we cannot always let our love be a response. We need to make the first move, and I believe God will bless it. So if you're one of those who's cynical about relationships in the church and you're waiting on others to introduce themselves and you're waiting to see who will speak to you to befriend them, just stop. Just start meeting people. Start meeting people. Time is short And we as a church need to be growing. We as individuals need to be growing towards God and one another in Christ. And it's not going to happen with awkwardness. So let's just suck the awkwardness out of the room and let's be friendly. Amen. Amen. The last thing God's example of love shows us is that love is very often uh, sacrificial. Love is very often sacrificial. The greatest acts of love will cost the giver something. That's what makes the receiver understand the level of love. I'm going to tell you about two interactions I've had in my home because I don't mind using myself as a dumb example. Uh, 
This is not an exact example, but this is something similar to conversations that happen in my house. I say to my wife, hey, babe, uh, I don't know if you noticed it or not, but uh, my clothes have been laying next to the bed, those socks and sweatpants. They've been there for three or four days now, probably. Uh, I put them in the, I put them in the uh, dirty clothes. So, how about that? You know what I mean? <laughs> now, like that's, maybe it's not as creepy as that, but like that's a conversation. I've done little things like that. Or there's another situation. This hasn't happened often. She's in the room. It was easier in the first service to lie about this. Um, but my wife, uh, my wife works on Fridays. My kids are at school. And so usually I'm at home studying uh, most of the day at home. And, but there's times, a few times, where I've actually taken the time to like spend a significant time that day cleaning our house. You know, not just like picking things up, but actually do, now don't go, all. Oh, it's happened very few times. She's laughing back there. Um, but like, so in that moment, right, in the moment, think about it, just for a moment, this dumb question, my family comes home and the house is clean. Or I picked up my socks next to the bed that have been there. Which one of those shows my wife and my family that I love them more? The second one. Say the second one. Second one. Right? Cleaning the house. How good a job I did, whether I left the bathroom or mess. Sure. But like that's, that's why though. Why? What's the difference? The difference between the, both of them are actions. I thought we were supposed to love in action, Heath. Is the first one not love? Well, maybe it is, but it's a sad example. And even if you take the sleazy comment and the weird wink that I gave her um, out of it, it's still the difference is the investment of time, right? The difference is the investment of time. The second one is much more sacrificial because of the time it took. And so what, what God, is, God is showing us that he gave his own son, his son experienced pain and death like you and I will probably never experience. And he did that for us. Show your love to one another, John says. But let it be proactive. Let it be preemptive. Let, it, let you be the first one. And let it be sacrificial, just like God did in Christ. Amen? Amen. So John would soon say this. 1 John four nineteen. We love because he first loved us. That used to hang above my couch in a gallery wall of pictures. And then we redecorated and... Now it's in the garage, but something else hangs in its place now. But that verse is so, such a great reminder of God's preemptive sacrificial action that he took on my behalf. And listen, that sacrificial action is what brought me to salvation. It's what changed the trajectory of my life. It's what changed the trajectory of of my children's life that would later come. It's, 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 it's what done, has done all of that. It's what brought salvation, God's preemptive sacrificial action on my behalf to sacrifice his own son has brought salvation to me. A terrible sinner, unable to please God on my own, no ability to love him or other people at all. And the sins that I commit in my life just separate me from God's promise now and forever. And I needed them gone. I needed them paid for. And that's what Jesus did. 
He took all of my sins that separate me from God and he took them within his own body and he died for them and he paid the debt for my sins so that I could not only have a relationship with God like he intended, but church, that I could also be born again and I could love y'all well. That's what Christ did for me. Today, man, if you've never been saved by Christ's blood, you've never called on God to take away your sin, to fill you with his spirit, to help you love others like he loved, you can do that today. Just like just like Barrett did uh, 10 days ago or so, I can't remember, nine days ago, I'm losing track now. Just like he's already done in his heart, you can do today. I'd love the chance to talk to you about that. We're going to sing one more song. Uh, Patrick and the worship team are going to come up here in a minute. And I'm going to stand back here by the back uh, sound booth. If you need to come talk to if you need to trust in Jesus today, come back and talk to me. I'd love to share with you. Just as somebody shared with me so many years ago, I just want to talk with you about how you can trust in him. I'll be standing back there. But this message is not just for those who haven't yet believed, right? This message is for us as believers, okay? It's for us as believers. If you look at your life and you realize that you've been struggling to love others in the church well, listen, that's a signal of a problem, as a signal of a problem, stop ignoring it and ask the question, what's causing it? What is it? It could be that you don't have the capacity to love because you are not yet a follower of Jesus. I don't care that you said a prayer or you got dunked underwater when you were a kid. Those things don't save us. Belief in the name of Jesus as a response to the work of God in you is what saves you. And so... If, you've, if you believe that that may be a problem for you, just let me know. I'd love to talk with you. I'd love to have, and you can even fill out the card and in the back of the seat in front of you and put, do you want us to holler at you later? You can do that. Maybe you're like me, though. You're, you know that you're confident that you have the capacity. Uh, I know I'm saved, Heath. I'm not, that's not the problem. But I've not been loving well through preemptive sacrificial actions. I've already said it. Call on the God who gives freely love to you and the ability to love other people well. Guys, I I hope that before we leave this place, we all ask these questions of our own hearts. Why don't we sing another song? It's a pretty one, right? But we could all turn our radio on and sing on the way home. It's not that. This song is an opportunity for you to respond. Like before the world takes over your mind, the moment you step out and you start thinking about every, 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 everything you got to do because it's pretty and you got stuff you want to get done today. Deal with the stuff that God wants you to deal with before you get out there. So I'm going to be at the back. The altar will be open if you need to come pray here. You need to talk to me, talk to God, talk to a, a friend or neighbor that you came with, whatever. Let's, let's bow our heads and after I pray, we'll stand and you can respond however you need to. Father God, we thank you. God, that um, God, that in in your uh, in your grace, God, you didn't choose to leave Heath Haney dead in sin. You didn't choose to leave the world, God, dead in sin, unable to love one another in you. But God, you sent Jesus to make a way for the relationship to be right and for us to be brought back into relationship with you. And God, we didn't deserve it, but you loved us first. God, I'm thankful. God, I'm thankful, God, for for so many, God, so many people that you're working in in our church, and God, not just salvations, but people that are growing, people that are learning more about what it looks like to be married, or what it looks like to raise kids, or what it looks like to be a good employee, or whatever, what it looks like to be a a good follower of Jesus, and, and reading his word, and praying, and all the things that go into this Christian life that we've been 
called to. And God, I'm thankful for what you're doing in this place. And God, I just pray that, that uh, you would continue to move even now, God, in our hearts. God, we love you and we praise you. We pray that this time brings you glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, let's stand, sing this song, respond however you need to. I'll be at the back.